If you believe that, somebody lift up your voice and worship right now. He won't fail, he won't fail, he won't fail. Found him to be faithful. Found him to be faithful. Somehow by divine ordination, supposed to be introduced earlier and they did it so they asked hey we're just going to introduce you before you come up and i just let them know brother austin was supposed to introduce me i just can we just bypass the introduction because you don't need to introduce me uh, because there's someone else i want to introduce you to before i preach and his name is jesus his name is his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I, I, I've learned because I've been around us long enough. And so we know how to do things in order and in structures. And so uh, what happens is, is during worship, uh, we know how to expend enough energy just to get to the next phase. And so I've learned to do that. But every once in a while, while we're doing what's normal and mundane, a memory just kind of hits you. I started thinking about that it was 12 years ago on December 27th that I walked into a United Pentecostal church. My first Sunday ever amongst you guys. My family was broken, my mind was broken. I'd been uh, taken out of my mom's house and we had to adjust custody situation. There was nothing about my life that looked like it was worth living. But when I walked into the house of God, somehow God made an introduction to me. And he said, hello, my name is Jesus and I won't fail. I want to tell you that that introduction didn't end there. Then, then he introduced himself to my sister when, when God filled her with the Holy Ghost and she got baptized. And he showed me one more time, he won't fail. That it was a little bit after that that he baptized my stepmom with the power of the Holy Ghost in our living room and showed me just one more time he won't he won't fail and then uh, we started going through the years and one time me and my cousin and my sister were on the phone and we're just talking about the goodness of God young person it's different when it becomes personal it's different. The, the, the dance you offer, it's, I, I used to dance about things that I wanted to have. Now I dance about things that he's already done. You, you got to understand, I, I had no reason to expect God to do anything with me. Nothing. We're on the phone, me and my sister and my cousin. And, this was about five to six years ago. And somehow on this three-way conversation, I asked, how many people have been baptized since God brought me to church? It never counted it up. We started writing down names and it was Barbara and then it was Josh and then it was Steven and then it was Deuce and then it was Kevin and then it was Michael and then it was Prevalist and it was Berkland and 36 names later. Now here's what's the crazy thing about it. Hold me, hold me. He said your 91-year-old grandma is ready to get baptized.
to show you how this thing works. That you're not here because there's anything special about you per se. Because you're gifted or because you're powerful. But God is willing to use the foolish things of the earth to confound the enemy. That out of the mouths of babes and sucklings and just a few months ago, I became a third generation Pentecostal when I baptized my 90 year old grandma in the name of Jesus because he won't fail. I just feel like testifying. I'm just, I'm just so excited. Wish I could bring my cousin up here, Fred Deuce. Probably one of the most radical soul winners I've been around. You know, when you first get saved, you have that different fire. Really, it's, it's just a real fire. After a while, it becomes artificial. It looks good, but it's not effective do weird things like I'd be in Bible college he was still in high school and he'd call me up while I was in class hey it's an emergency I run out of class pick up the phone Fred what's going on you know new converts you don't know what to expect he said hey I need you to tell my teacher if she don't speak in tongues she's going to hell go ahead you're on speaker I lie not Fred came out of so much brokenness I remember one time 
There was no food in the house. He was just trying to figure out how he was going to eat. And he wasn't complaining. He was just telling me the reality of the situation. You got to remember, for me to consider someone to be broke, you really got to be broke because I was a Bible college student. And so if I think you're broke, you're really broke because I'm broke. I said, hey, bro, you know what I'm going to do? You're going to eat good tonight. I'm going to order you some Domino's. Don't worry, brother. I got you. Called the Domino's. They took the order. And then they asked for the address. And I gave them for the address. And they got real quiet. They said, hey, bro, we, we, we don't deliver over there. We've been mugged three times already this week. I said, call back Fred. I said, Fred, I'm so sorry, but you're not going to be able to do that. I remember when Fred called me one time, his, his brother who blown his mind out on drugs, he would, he would spend 30 minutes in front of a microwave at 3 a.m. and just have four-way conversations with himself. Another brother who was bringing prostitutes in and out of the house and seeing domestic violence having to pull his brother off of the females he was beating. Cousins that were living just so afar from what we would consider to be normal. What's so awesome about it is now that when I get to sit in a service and I get to see Fred and his wife that we pray through worshiping at the front. What's even better than that is just that a few months ago, Fred was finally licensed with the United Pentecostal Church. Can I tell you, I, I, I believe this thing really does change families. It really does impact lives. You can leave this place different than how we don't just do this to make us feel better. But if you've ever had an encounter with God, something in you just know it's real. It's real. It's real to me. Look at someone and tell them it's real to me. Tell them it's real to me. Don't look at me. Why are y'all looking at me? Look at somebody. Tell them it's real to me. Person's a little scared of you. Look at someone and tell them it's real to me. So excited to be here. You can make your way back to your seats. Amen. I get excited. I get excited. I get excited. What an honor. Man, I'm just so thankful. While you're walking back to your seats, just say thank you, Jesus. Say it one more time. Just say thank you, Jesus. I sound timid. You can go ahead and walk back to your seats, but just lift your voice and just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good. You know God is good. He's so good. He is so good. He is so good. He is so good. Amen. Amen. God is so good. <laughs> oh, he really is. You ought to write down these moments. 
So in a few years, you'll just be able to look back and just say, God, God is so good. God is just so good. So happy to have my wife here with me. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated, celebrated two years of marriage. So awesome about it. I can't point to one marriage that's lasted in my family. But I'm so thankful God is so good. He really changes lives. You believe that? He, he really does. When you, ex, when you experience it, it's just different. He really does. He really does. I'm going to move on. I don't mean to be so selfish. Thank you for indulging me, getting the chance to publicly acknowledge my God. He's my, everybody's, he's my God. Young person, it has to become personal. He, he has to be your God. He's my God. What an honor. What an honor. So thankful, so thankful to be here. Uh, I'm going to try to move quickly and not take too much time. I, 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 if I started naming off the people that I love in this district, uh, we'd be here a little bit too long. So I won't. I, I do want to give honor. Uh, and can you just embarrass him a little bit? How many guys love your youth president and his wife? Love him and, and his great family and, and so many others. Love love the Jensen's. Amen. And, and I love Arlo. He's really running the show of the district. You don't know it, but Arlo, Arlo's really doing it. Um, so many, so many wonderful people to partner up with. Uh, Brother Brown and, uh, and the modern minstrel, the David of our era. Uh, Brother James Wills, thankful for him. Bishop of this district, uh, Brother Gaddy and Brother Sullivan and their their leadership. We're so thankful for them. And uh, to every to every youth pastor, pastor in the building, can, I I just wanted to do this this morning. Can you do me a favor? I know you guys have your phones on you. Uh, can you text your youth pastor or your pastor? Whether you do it, where you tag them on social media, I don't care how you do it. I just want you to somehow communicate to them. And just say, hey, I love you, Pastor. I love you, Pastor. If you can't get a hold of them, tag their wife on something on social media and just tell them I love you. Uh, I woke up this morning thankful to have a pastor, uh, Glenn Charles Hires. You guys don't know that name, but that is my pastor, my father in the gospel. And uh, I'm so thankful for him. So thankful for him. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. Uh, to all, uh, to all those of you who have a pastor, know uh, that you should be thankful. Uh, there's a lot of pastors abandoning the office of a pastor to fulfill the office of a CEO. Uh, but I'm thankful I have a pastor. Uh, he's not worried about building a building. He's worried about building the kingdom. And so I'm thankful for pastors. Pastors. 
I woke up this morning and uh, uh, the Lord, he just, he was just, he was faithful yet again to me today and uh, just kind of met me early this morning and uh, I was just privileged just to spend some time with him. Uh, I, I mean, I love him. I really do. I'm so thankful. First uh, John chapter four, first John chapter four, first John chapter four. Now we're going to read this together. So if they can help me out on the screen, I want you to read this with me. First John chapter four. I see some of you guys standing. Why don't we just all stand? You don't have to, but just oblige me. Just why don't we all stand? First John chapter four. I want to, I want to help you young people. Uh, the, the word should be interactive. You're, you're not here just to hear something. You're here to hear something so you can do something. So we, 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 we got to be cautious that we're not getting to the place where we're obligating the preacher to entertain us so that we follow through on what he's saying. The word, it's, it's sweet like honey all by itself. You don't got to dress it up. Amen. We need to fall in love with the word again. First John chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 14. I think when you're in service, whether you have a phone, an iPad, a Bible, make sure you're reading with the preacher. Make sure you're reading with the preacher. Uh, this, this just isn't another textbook. This is the word of God. Amen. And as you're speaking those words out, as you're, as you're reading those words, there's power in that. When you're hearing the word of God, there's blessing in that. Amen. So I want us to partake of that blessing today. First John chapter four, verse 14. If they could put that on the screen for me. If you have that, say amen. If, if you still need to turn there, say oh me. I didn't hear a lot of oh me's. Let's read first John chapter four, verse 14. And it says, can you guys read this with me? And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God. Are you guys reading that with me? Why are y'all so quiet this morning? Am I reading out of the ESV? Is that what's happening? I think that's what's going on. Let me read with you. I want to hear you now. Everybody say, use your outside voice. Thank you. Let's read this. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Next verse. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Next verse. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the days of judgment because as he is so are we there's power when you speak those words can we just read that last part just one more time let's read this last verse one more time herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the days of judgment because as he is. Young person, you need to learn to do that when you're by yourself. You feel the power when you just release the word. 
Can we just do that just one more time? Just for me, it just feels good when we do it. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is. Amen, amen. God is about to do something this morning. But before he does, can you lift your hands? And with the same boldness that you declared the word of God, I want you to release your voice and just begin to tell God, God, I surrender myself to you this morning. Come on, young person, we had time to do this. This is, this is all we're waiting for. Lift your voice and tell them, God, I surrender. I surrender all of me to you, God. God, I surrender all of me to you this morning. That's it. Come on, that sounds amazing. Lift your voice. You don't need the preacher just praying. God wants to hear you speak this morning. Lift your voice. I don't want you just looking at me, young lady. You got power in your words. Lift your voice. The youth president doesn't need to walk up here. God gave you authority. Lift your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you feel that? That's what happens when you lift your voice. Now all across the building, clap your hands unto the Lord and lift up a shout of victory. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I don't want to take too much time this morning, but I believe my objective here is to somehow help you grow closer to what the kingdom would ask of you. So here, just for the next few moments, I'm just on the assignment to place some tools in your hands that hopefully would be of benefit. I'm going to cut right to the chase when it gets to this thing. Uh, there is an issue that lies beneath the surface of our church. It's not what you might think it is. Some would just call it sin, though I agree that you can label it that, but I think we ought to be specific. I think we ought to just call it what it is. Uh, our church and this generation in particular, we struggle with lying. We struggle with lying in ways that we don't even consider it lying. Go a little bit beyond that. We struggle with the untalked about sin of hiding. We have learned how to hide. We have become experts in the art of hiding. We didn't get it from ourselves. This was passed down from one generation to the next, starting from the first person we know as Adam. Adam was the first person to ever indulge the art of hiding. This sin called hiding. It takes place in Genesis chapter 3 that after Adam begins to partake of the fruit that he knew he had no business eating. That the Bible says that the Lord called to the man and said to him, Adam, where are you? 
Can you just say that with me, Adam? Where are you? Say that one more time, Adam. Where are you? It is the first question that God begins to prompt in the scripture. Where God begins to ask, Adam, where are you? And somehow, Adam begins to crawl out of his hiding space. And he begins to say, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was scared because I was naked. And so I hid myself. This Adam, now you have to begin to ask, begin to ask the, begin to ask the question. What caused Adam to hide from the same voice that Adam used to run to? Before today when he heard the sound in the garden, Adam would run to that voice. But now on this day we find Adam hiding from that voice. And today if I have one objective that is premier or takes priority above them all, my objective here today is to call you out of hiding. to call you out of hiding we have become so accustomed to hiding that it's no longer found just amongst our young people but even our youth pastors hide sometimes we grow so accustomed to hiding that it's not just amongst them but even our ministers wives hide sometimes we have become a hidden church like to hide go in places where we can't be found we grow used to hiding and Adam fell for the trap that we all fall to because sin will not only change you but it will change how you perceive the motives of God Can I tell you why Adam was hiding? Because Adam thought, this time when God calls me, he's not calling me to fellowship with me, but he's calling me to destroy me. This time when God calls me, he's not calling to commune with me, but he's calling me to destroy me. And can I tell you that you're in this room today and you're here with the pretense of who you want us to see. But the real you is hiding. You ever wonder why some people walk away from God? Can I tell you? It starts off by hiding. They start hiding who they are. Now, I, I don't think I need to ask. Brother Smith said I'm okay, so I'm, I'm just going to act like he meant that because I know he did. So just stay with me here a little bit. Uh, uh, we, we, we better become cautious that we don't start elevating things that are in the Scripture that are elevated at the wrong place. You can be biblical in principle, but be wrong in biblical priority. Stay with me. We're going somewhere this morning. Don't get me wrong, I love to shout and dance, and I love to run the aisles just like the next person. 
but I think it's problematic when we start to elevate praise above the priority of love. It can be biblical in principle and be wrong in biblical priority. You better make sure you have your priorities right. And can I tell you what has happened to some of us? Because our priorities can be wrong scripturally. It will cause us and others to fail morally. Adam had to hide. Because he didn't know God's motive. Because sin had skewed the motive of God in the eyes of Adam. And can I tell you what happens to us? Because there are times where we can praise, where we can place faith and power and anointing above character and love. There are some amongst us who fall, who did not have to die to their injuries. We're going to go somewhere this morning. We're going we're gonna to pull some stuff out. Can I tell you how it works? Can I tell you how it looks like today? There are some of you that you're involved in ministry. I felt it this morning while I was praying. Youth pastors, wives, you're involved in ministry, struggling with suicide. How does that happen? Young lady, how do you talk in tongues and sing on the praise team but struggle with your sexual orientation? I'm not shocked that you're struggling. I'm just shocked you got nobody to talk to. Young man, I'm not shocked that you're falling. I'm just shocked you don't feel safe to go to anyone. We, we have become so accustomed to hiding that we have a face that I present you and another face that I present to others. Isn't it so weird that the most Christian-like or Christ-like and apostolic will act is in the house, not out the house? Because I'm more concerned about what you'll think about me than I'm concerned about the, what the world's going to think about us. I've never gotten it. Now, can we just be real this morning? Can we just be real this morning? Explain to me why you dress more apostolic when it's youth night than you do when you're at school. Young man, why do you talk one way when it's youth night, but you talk a completely different way when you're at school? Because you're more concerned about what we're going to think about you. Then what's your peers? Can I, can I tell you, it's an issue when you could be more honest about your conditions with those outside of the church than you could be honest about your condition with those inside of the church. Can I, can, can I tell you what we need to be baptized with? We need to be baptized with a spirit of love that prioritizes being healthy over being productive. I don't care how productive you are. If you're not healthy, sit down and heal. Grab a seat for me. I, I, I start asking, am I okay? I'm, I'm not going to do it again. We're, we're just going to keep on walking with this. But, 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 but it's problematic to me. And, and, and I want to talk to everyone in the building. But you're on the youth team. And you're struggling. 
but you have no one to talk to? Explain that one to me. You're showing up singing on the praise team, but the night before you're talking about ending your life and you got no one to talk to. You come down here and shout about victories you've never received because you don't want to show your true colors because you got no one to talk to. The church has become a place where we can no longer be vulnerable about who we are. Isn't it interesting that when Moses approaches the burning bush, first thing God tells him, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Holiness makes room for vulnerability. When a church really becomes holy, you become comfortable with being vulnerable. Not because your vulnerability will stay that way, but because you know that you're exposing yourself not to be hurt, but to be helped. I was going to talk to us. Got a lot of young men, before the week is out, God is going to give you a call. A lot of young women, before the week is out, God's going to give you the call. The biggest issue that I have with that is that if you get a call before you have a place where you experience the holiness of God through someone else. What are you talking about, preacher? If you have no one that walks in a place with God, where you can be honest about your failure, knowing they're not trying to destroy you, but knowing they'll be willing to restore you. You're in deep danger. Can't tell you how many, how many people I've talked to. By the time they reveal their failure, I remember one time, he, he won't mind me sharing this, but same kind was recently, it was a few years back, years back, back, we're on the phone, and while we're on the phone, uh, there were some things that uh, I was made privy of that was happening in his life that I had no clue. Failures that had taken place that I had no clue were taking place. And he's opening up to me, and he didn't want to tell me, but it was forced to come out because of extenuating circumstances and he's he's pouring his heart out to me and he starts crying now, my cousin never cries he starts crying and while he's on the phone crying I start crying and I start telling him I said Fred I'm so sorry for creating an environment where I was so easy to criticize everyone's sin but not display enough love where you could be open about your own Because the whole time, he was dying in secret, and there was no one there to help him. Put on the screen for me Hosea chapter 7. Hosea chapter 7, verse 1. Hosea chapter 7, verse 1. It was in this season, I was trying to figure out how to help him, and I was talking to him. And I said, Fred, listen, I want you to understand, first off, I repent. I repent for trying to display a sense of spirituality that just made me look like I was better, but not a real sense of spirituality that was able to restore you who were weak amongst us. Hosea chapter 7 verse 1, if you could put that on the screen. Are you guys okay? We're going to take some time, but we're going somewhere. Hosea chapter 7, 
Hosea chapter 7, verse 1. If they don't have it, I'm just going to have to read it for you. Hosea chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood and the thief cometh in and the troop of robbers spoiled it without. Now, when you read this passage, this is Jesus speaking to his people. And he said, I, I, I wanted to heal you. He said, I would have healed you. He said, but then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. He said, I wanted to do something so transformative in your life that it wasn't going to change you and it wasn't going to change your city. But then I saw what you were hiding. Now, here's what's so crazy about it. It's not like God discovered something he did not know because God knows all things. He's at all places at all times. God knew it was there. It's just that he was acknowledging it that they were trying to hide it from him. And God just made it very clear. I cannot transform where you're not trying to be transparent. And we have people amongst us where we have grown used to hiding areas of our lives that God is saying at HYC 2022, I wanted to transform you. I wanted to change you. I wanted to make you new. But then I saw what you were hiding. I could just feel the mass just trying to set in just right. You don't want. He said, I was trying to change that thing about you. But you didn't want to bring it out into the open. God's saying, it's not that I didn't have the power. It's just that you weren't willing to show the honesty. You weren't willing to talk about it. God said, I had the ability. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to heal Ephraim. But then I remember the iniquity. I discovered it. I saw what you were keeping. I saw what you were hiding. Young man, young woman, God cannot change where you're not willing to be open and honest. You can't do it. God can't transform where you're not willing to be transparent. Now, it's easy to shout about victory. It's easy to run laps. It's easy to do a lot of those things. But until you're willing to say, God, it's me. Can I get beyond that? Until you're willing to look at a brother or a youth pastor or a pastor and say, it's me. I'm struggling. Can I tell you what happened? My cousin started becoming healed in the area of his struggle the second he became honest. Because honesty is the doorway that allows the healing power of God to come in. That's why Jesus looks at, looks, looks at the father whose son was struggling with demons. And he says, listen, do, do you believe? Yeah, I believe. But help my unbelief. Can you just do me a favor? Can you just lift both your hands right now? And can you just tell God, God, help me to be honest. Don't look at the person next to you. I just want you to lift your hands, and I want you to tell God, God, help me to be honest. Because some of you are on the brink of losing out with God 
because you want to keep the facade that you have it all together. Can I talk to a youth pastor's wife that's in this place that I was praying for this morning? You want to make sure that you have it all together so that you don't look like a failure. But the reality is, is that God cannot heal that area of bitterness in your heart until you're willing to be honest and say, I'm struggling. Can you just keep your hands raised just for a little bit? We'll move on. But I just want you to pray for just a minute. God, help me to be honest. Help me. To be honest, young man, you're never going to grow in that area until you stop and just be honest and say, youth pastor, I'm struggling. I'm failing and faltering in an area that I told you I was okay in. I'm acting like I didn't fall short in that area, but I'm hiding. I'm struggling in that area. I just want you to pray a little longer. It might not be for you, but I'm telling you there's somebody here. And I tell you, some of you are here, as everybody's shouting and dancing yesterday, you can't feel a single thing because God's waiting for you to be honest. I'm struggling. I'm falling. You can set your hands down. The greatest apprehension that causes us to hide. It's an improper understanding of the love of God. Now, I get it. There's some amongst us that, that have so trivialized, some amongst us and some not amongst us who have so trivialized what the love of God is. We are caught up in believing that it's just some, uh, it's some weird feeling that you get every once in a while. And that's the love of God. There's others to kind of counteract that uh, we we just kind of preach a love where it's just I don't know it's it's not really love at all but but I, but I want to help you grasp something this morning because reality is this if you get anything that'll help you with your walk with God you better get a good understanding of what the love of God is you better get a good understanding of what the love of God is can I tell you the truth I've ne I've never seen somebody I've, well, I shouldn't say that. I've seen a lot of people who have seen miracles, signs, and wonders walk away from God. I've seen people who were gifted walk away from God. I've seen people who could preach walk away from God. I've never seen somebody who had a deep, authentic love for God walk away from God. Can I tell you something? We, 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 we have to be cautious that we stop labeling things to be intrinsically spiritual that aren't really spiritual. Just because it looks like it's spiritual, that doesn't mean it's spiritual. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Honestly, there's nothing spiritual about walking. We do it every day. It only became spiritual because Enoch did it with God. Can I go a little further? There's nothing spiritual about church. If it was, everyone who attends church this Sunday across the world would be saved. It's only spiritual when you do it with Jesus. I'll go a little further. There's nothing spiritual about prayer. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like the heathens do. But he said, when you pray, pray our Father. 
It only becomes spiritual when you do it with Jesus. There's nothing spiritual about fasting. Because Jesus said when you fast, don't fast like the heathen. It's nothing spiritual giving. Jesus said these Pharisees, they gave out of their abundance. But this one, she gave out of her need. It's only spiritual when you include Jesus. There's nothing spiritual about your shout. It only becomes spiritual. We, we have become so used to labeling things as spiritual that if you do what looks good, but if you do without Jesus, you're okay. Okay, if we just, we just stay here a little bit. What makes your high school experience spiritual? We always talk about walking in spirit, but we never say how to do it. Can I go a little further? What makes your clothes spiritual? It's not because you have a dress on. Now, if you think I'm preaching anything contrary to what was preached last night, you're not hearing the spirit in which I'm preaching it. It's right in tandem. He said it himself. It doesn't make the Muslims spiritual when they do it. it. doesn't make the nuns do it when they do it. But when we do it, we do it with Jesus. What makes your high school experience spiritual is that you do it with Jesus. What makes your money spiritual is that you do it with Jesus. Now, I believe in tithing. The reality is tithing is the basis that you use to get into New Testament principle. When you get into the New Testament, there are moments where they just gave everything. Because they were doing it with Jesus. That's the problem God had. When after this sacrifice was made. And the preacher runs up and said, preacher, I gave it all. And I want to give it to the church. And God looked down and said, no, but you're hiding something. Because you're saying you gave more than you actually do. Here is the frustration of your pastor. He doesn't understand why you're struggling when it looks like you're doing everything you say you're doing. He's trying to figure out why, why, why is our youth group struggling with this sin? And this, your youth pastor and youth pastors, well, they're banging their head against the wall. Because you keep on telling them, well, youth pastor, we sold everything. And God's looking, no, you did it. Because you weren't doing it with me. What makes it spiritual is that you do it with Jesus. Can I tell you, you can pray and pray without Jesus. You can fast and fast without Jesus. You can dance and worship and worship without Jesus. You can go to high school. You can dress according to biblical principle and do it without What makes it spiritual is that you do it. You want to know how to walk in the spirit. Invite Jesus into every aspect of your life. You know how that looks like? It's so easy for us to preach guidelines and preach rules. It's a lot harder to say the next time you walk into that shopping mall and you get into that dressing room just ask Jesus do you approve of this we have learned to teeter the line of holiness 
because it's a lot easier to do what man can I tell you why Israel wanted a king because it's a lot easier to deal with an earthly king than it is to deal with the heavenly one Samuel's there and Samuel says you don't understand if you get a king, he's going to control your sons and daughters. He's going to take money from you. He's going to do A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z. And what Israel did not say, but was lying in their hearts and saying, as long as we control the man, we won't worry about controlling God. And here it is. It's spiritual because you do it with Jesus. We have to have a proper understanding of the love of God. If you don't, you're going to struggle. Uh, put on 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 1. I want to walk, walk through this passage with you. I want to help you. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Are, are you guys okay? If you're okay, just say amen. First John chapter 1. If they're taking time putting this up, don't blame them. I didn't give them these scriptures. But we're going to go here. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. I want you to read this with me. Are you guys ready? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have Stop right there. Now, this is John speaking. This is, this is John speaking. Everybody say John. Now, we, as, as apostolics, I'm amongst you. I, I don't I hear my heart. I'm amongst you. I, I, I'm not looking out, criticizing. I'm not saying I'm just speaking to us, speaking to me. Just he, hear the conversation that's happening to me right now. Uh, we, we are so in love with the book of Acts, but we don't realize that the book of Acts is contingent on the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Now, I know some of you will tell me, well, God didn't ordain the structure of the book. Yeah, he might not have explicitly ordained it, but you can't tell me he didn't consider how it would work out. You have to go through John before you can get to Acts. You know what is so crazy about the book of Acts? You won't find the word love one time in the book of Acts. The word love does not appear in the book of Acts one time. Can you take a guess which book has the word love the most? The book of John. We have become so obsessed with producing the results of the book of Acts that we have neglected the foundation on which it was built on. We run to the results while neglecting the root system that fed it. And when John is writing 1 John, he's dealing with those who could not possibly conceive that God would, would come into flesh, this filthy thing we call flesh. And so he is attacking that thing. And so John, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's so interesting. It doesn't say the disciple who loved Jesus the most. It just said the disciple who Jesus loved. Because here's the reality. You can only love to the proportion that you receive love. Stay with me. You can only love to the proportion that you receive love. 
Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's, let's walk this. Here's what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Everybody say heard. This is faith. This is faith. This is what we call faith. This is what the centurion said. When the centurion, uh, centurion sends his servant, the servant approaches Jesus and says, listen, uh, uh, my, my, my master, he has a man, a uh, servant that's sick, and he wants you to come heal this man. And Jesus said, all right, I'll come with you. All right. And the centurion, what does the centurion say? He said, no, you don't have to come with me. Watch this. Just speak the word only faith. Now we shout about that and there's a lot of good things to be seen there but I'm just a little concerned about people that would rather have a word from God than bringing the word home with them. Here's what's so crazy about it. The centurion wasn't saved but he knew how to get a word because faith can occur from a distance. I don't have to be close to you to hear you. I just have to be close enough. I don't have to be close to you to hear you. I just need to be close enough. And we have become a generation that has become close enough to have faith for miracles, signs, and wonders, but not close enough to bring Jesus home. If you gave me the option, Jesus can speak a word and heal your servant, or Jesus can make his way to your home. I don't mind God speaking, but every time, 10 out of 10, I want Jesus to make his way to my home. Faith does not require proximity. It just requires a good ear. And there'll be miracles that'll happen throughout this week, but that's not proof you took him home with you. He continues, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Then he says, which we have seen with our eyes. This is revelation. Now, now the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, we all know the passage. This, this woman approaches Jesus Jesus comes to, uh, comes to interact with this woman. This woman's crying out, Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Have mercy on me. And Jesus speaks very clearly. Jesus said, listen, uh, I know your daughter. She's vexed with devils. But it's not meet for me to give the children's bread to dogs. And what does the woman say? The woman says, listen, I understand but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Miracles are not the loaf. Miracles are the crumbs of the loaf. We, we have taken that scripture. I'm content with our dogs that eat than, than, son, than, sons, than sons who sit at the table. It only takes crumbs for miracles to happen. But here's the issue with crumbs. Crumbs will give you a taste, but it won't satisfy your need. And the problem is, is that when you get hungry and you only have crumbs, if there's no more fellowship to commune with Jesus with, you'll start devouring the body. 
You know why gossip is amongst us and slander is amongst us? Because you need something to consume. And because you're not consuming fellowship with him, you're consuming your brother and your sister. Whenever there was a lack of bread with the nation of Israel, they always reverted back to Egypt. Ask Abraham. Ask Isaac. Ask Jacob. Ask his son. Every single time there was a famine in the land, the first place they went was Egypt. I'm not shocked. You keep on going back to Egypt. It's because you're starving. It's the crumbs. He says this. He says, which we have seen with our eyes. This is revelation. Which we have looked upon. And then he says, and our hands have handled. Just give me a few more moments. Can you stay with me? Can you stay with me? And our hands have handled. And he says, of the word of life. Now, if I'm wrong, somebody can come up here and correct me, but I just want to places to you and you can do what you want with it but I really do believe this will help you when John is writing this John is not writing this from the perspective that you and I look at when you and I read this we understand Jesus to be a spirit that we then have to learn was a man John is writing this from the perspective of knowing Jesus as a man that he later found as a spirit are you with me when John meets Jesus, he doesn't meet Jesus as a spirit. He meets Jesus as a man. When you and I meet Jesus, we don't meet Jesus as a man. We meet Jesus as a spirit and then have to learn that he was a man. So when John is saying this, I want you to go to the next verse. Because I want you to realize what John wants us to do with this. We'll come back to this. First John chapter 1 verse 2. Is this okay? Say amen. First John chapter 2, for the word, for the, for the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifest unto us. Verse 3 for me, please. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. Watch this. That you also may have fellowship with us. John's not asking us to take his experience and dilute it into our 21st century culture. He's asking us to rise above our 21st century culture and walk in his experience. Now, what is John's experience? John knew Jesus. Brother Austin, come up here real quick. Just help me out. John knew Jesus like this. He, he, he didn't know Jesus like you and I first came to know. We, we, we know Jesus as a spirit, and he's, he's all played. No, John knew Jesus like this. And so the fellowship that John had with Jesus, John tells his, his, his disciples, he says, I want you to partake of this fellowship and the true fellowship with the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ. What fellowship is that? This is how it would happen. When John would wake up in the morning, he'd wake up in the morning. When he got up, he didn't assume Jesus was right there. He had to get up and sometimes, guess what? Jesus wasn't anywhere to be found. And guess what he had to do? He had to go 
find Jesus. Hey, hey, Jesus, Jesus, stop right there. Here, here, stay right there. Here, here's what we do. We just expect Jesus to fit our services. We, 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 we expect Jesus to fit our prayer time. We, we, and I'm not trashing anything. Just, just hear, hear what I'm saying. We expect Jesus to fit our worship songs as if maybe he didn't want that. That is not the objective of what we're doing. Your objective as a believer is to find Jesus. That's all it is. That's all it is. There'd be moments where Jesus would be sitting. And guess what John was doing? John was sitting. There'd be other moments where Jesus was in the crowd and in the field. And guess what John was doing? Jesus was in the crowd in the field. John is going to be in the crowd and in the field. There'd be moments where Jesus was healing the sick. Can I tell you, youth pastor, can I tell you, can I give you a key, a principle to help you in 2023? Don't get your 2023 strategy from the newest book you read or what the youth pastor down in Texas or Florida did. Get your principle from where, G if you will just follow Jesus, you will have revival. Is this okay? I, I know I'm taking time, but I just feel like a door's opening for us. Just, just help me broaden this door just for the next little bit. I'm going to continue, but just lift your hands and say, God, help me to get this this morning. Help me to get this this morning. Help me to get this this morning. I want you to watch this. So John and Jesus, this is the relationship that they had. There'd be times they would be sitting, and John would just have his head. On Jesus' chest, they were just fellowshipping. He did not assume that Jesus was just going to follow what he did. He assumed that he had to follow what Jesus was doing. I know we make this way more complicated than it has to be, but we don't need a new soul winning program. We don't need a new worship program. We don't need the latest software. We have to get back at learning how to find Jesus. Sit down. My God, I feel something opening here this morning. Can I tell you why you're not transformed? Because transformation doesn't happen at the level of faith. John, first John chapter 1 verse 1. Go back two verses. First John chapter 1 verse 1. Go back two verses. Transformation starts with faith. It requires faith. Faith. But that's not what does it. First John chapter 1 verse 1. Read this with me. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. Transformation happens when you're able to look upon him. How do you know that, preacher? Because when we see him, we shall be like him. Some of you know when faith's in the room, but you don't know when Jesus is in the room. Because we're so used to dealing with faith. Preacher, are you trashing faith? I'm not trashing faith. I'm just trying to help us be biblical in priority. 
Paul said, faith, hope, and love, which of these are greater? Can I tell you what produces transformation? When you're able to get in a prayer meeting, able to open up that word, and you're able to see him. Seeing Jesus produces transformation. The more you look, oh, hear me, you don't have to do a single thing. You just have to look at him and keep on looking at him. Because the first look you take, you're going to want to look away. So all of a sudden, your sin starts to manifest. All of a sudden, your character starts to manifest. If you've never been there, you don't know what I'm talking about. But you get in a prayer meeting, you start to pray, and all of a sudden, the way you talk to your spouse starts to manifest. You can have faith and lose, but you can't look at Jesus and lose your soul. Transformation happens at gate, but he goes beyond that, and he says, and our hands have handled of the word of life. It's that manna from heaven. You know, have you guys ever seen, you ever seen a little kid eat before? Have you guys ever seen a little kid eat before? Thank you so much, Brother Austin. What happens when a little kid is eating bread? Somebody said it. Say it louder. It gets all over. It gets all over them. You ever seen a little kid eating bread? Starts eating that bread. What happens? Crumbs start to fall. The kid's not trying to produce the, the crumb is the natural eating. Crumbs produce miracles. That's why the Bible says, these signs shall follow. Follow what? Follow somebody who knows how to fellowship with Jesus. Them that believe. While you're eating and you're fellowshipping, all that's happening is the crumbs start falling. While they're just, you're just walking with Jesus. You want to be effective in your P7 this upcoming year? Just walk with Jesus. That's all it is. Because while you're walking with Jesus, you'll find Jesus start walking to that person that you never talked to before. And while you want to go sit over there, we think Jesus follows us. No, he, we follow him. He'll start sitting at that table that you don't want to sit at with that person you never thought you needed to talk to. Jesus will sit right there, and all of a sudden, you'll just feel, I just got to follow Jesus. And you don't got to do anything special. You just have to keep on fellowshipping. And as you're fellowshipping, the crumbs start falling. Because you know what? Hungry souls know how to find the crumbs that lead a trail. We don't need a new program. We don't know X, Y, and Z. Do you know what we're deficient in? We are deficient in a love for Jesus. We don't know what it's like. I got to quit here in the next few moments. I'm going to be done. But when you learn how to fellowship with Jesus, young lady, here's why this is so important. Because your flesh can coexist with faith. Your flesh can coexist. Can I go beyond that? Your fear can coexist with faith. The Bible doesn't say perfect faith counts. Perfect faith cast out fear. It says perfect Love, cast out, fear. Do you know why there's so many of us in this room that are, some even, possessed and oppressed 
by fear? Because there's no love. Because wherever love is, fear has to go. I'm going to shut down and continue the rest of this tomorrow. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to get into the rest of this later. There's some things God is going to help us deal with. But I felt this early this morning when I was praying. The Lord just talked to me. and He said, listen, I, I want to get fear out of my people. I want to get fear out of my people. Do you want boldness? How many of you guys want boldness? Do you know what produces boldness? The love of God produces boldness. This will be the last verse I read and then we're going to pray here. But in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 through 21 where we read. In verse 18, he said, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Some of us can't be bold because we don't know the love of God. When you realize God loves you, This will be one of the last things I'll say, and I'll finish this up tomorrow. But I remember uh, I was talking to a man of God, or rather he was talking to me. He said he was praying, and while he was praying, he said the Lord just wasn't, it wasn't connecting with him like, like he used to. And uh, some time went on, and finally the Lord said, the Lord said, I have an issue with you. And uh, the preacher said, well, what, what's the problem? He said, you just, you just tell me, God, and I'll repent. The Lord said, well, you've stolen from me. The preacher just began to, just out loud, just begin to tell God, God, I'm so sorry. God, you just tell me what I stole, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I, he started going through and just saying, hey, did I, did I pay my tithes and offering? I, listen, I, I, I know I'm not wrong. I felt this. There was a youth pastor's wife this year. Hell is determined to get you to kill yourself in 2023, but we're going to break that this morning. Sat there and said, God, if I stole from you, I'm, I'm going to give it back. I just, you just tell me how much it is. I, I thought, I mean, we're, we're, we're paying tithes properly. The Lord just softly told him, he said, son, when I died on the cross, I didn't take your past. I purchased it. It's mine. And you keep on trying to take it from me. You've stolen from me. And I want it back. We are sons called to sit at the table of fellowship, but we live like dogs on crumbs waiting for the next high at the next ARYC, waiting for the next camp. And hopefully a man of God who knows how to get hold of the loaf will get around and spill some crumbs at my feet so I can get by and still starve with my addiction. 
so I can get on the platform and be used but still starve with my depression so I can because we don't know what it's like to fellowship with the love of God I was communing with God this morning I asked him and I felt it was his will I said God I just want there to be a mass deliverance of fear this morning can I tell you why can I Trust me, there's people in here that are demon-possessed, but can I tell you why sometimes hell doesn't have to possess you? He just has to let you be controlled by fear. It'll produce the same result. Someone who's demon-possessed won't start a P7, and somebody who's possessed by fear won't start a P7. Someone who's demon-possessed won't win souls, and somebody who's possessed by fear won't win souls. Someone who's demon-possessed won't teach a Bible study, and somebody who's possessed by fear. All he has to do is control you by fear. But I feel your father in the room today. I really do. I really do. I really do. And I feel that mass starting to slip to the things that you were hiding because you thought God would be mad at you. I don't know who I'm talking to in this room. You thought God would be mad at you if you opened up about that addiction. You thought God would be mad at you if you start talking about the fact you were molested. You've been blaming you this whole time. Whole time God is saying, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? I walked these altars last night and I was praying, but most of it, I just wanted my spirit just to kind of feel what was going on. And while I was walking, I could feel a lot of you. You just had that facade up. You want nobody to see. that You don't even know what a prayer life is. It died years ago. You just learn how to try to fool the preacher. But this morning, there's getting ready to be a deliverance from fear. I want you to come down to this altar if what I'm saying is hitting you right now. Come down with your hands up. Come down with your hands up. I want you to come down with your hands lifted. I want you to come down with your hands lifted. I'm not against counseling. I'm not against, I'm not against getting advice. I'm not against reading books. I'm not against doing all that. But there's nothing that's going to replace the love of God. There's nothing that's going to replace the love of God. Come down with your hands up. 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 I want you to start praying. There's getting ready to be a divine movement in this place. A movement, a movement. It's going to move out of you what should have never been there from the beginning. I want you to lift your voice before the singers come up here. I want you to lift your voice. I want you to lift your voice. Huh. Come on. Yeah. Don't pray the way you pray when your youth pastor is looking at you, when, you're, when your pastor is looking at you. Don't pray the way you pray when you're standing next to your friends because you don't want them to think you're struggling. I want you to pray like you would if God was willing to heal that thing you've been hiding for the last two years lift your voice right now lift your voice lift your voice we're not done yet there's getting ready to be mass deliverance here because that fear that's been possessing you you're 15 years old and don't know how to get a full night's sleep. Why? Because that fear has been known. but this morning we're getting ready to break something Lift your voice. Lift your voice. We're not done yet. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. 
Jesus is in the room. We're getting ready to break some things. Lift your voice. We're not done yet. <laughs> Lift your voice. Youth pastor and pastor's wife, I don't need you praying for anybody. I just need you to lift your hands right now and lift your voice. This isn't just for your young person. This is for you. Lift your hands and lift your voice. There's a boldness that's going to hit this room. There's a boldness that's getting ready to hit this room. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. That fear that's been crippling your walk with God. Lift your voice right now. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over you. When I get done, I want you to shout the name of Jesus. When you begin to shout, it's not going to be an angel that's going to come visit you. It's not going to be a preacher that comes visits you. But Jesus is getting ready to visit you. And where Jesus is, fear has to leave. By the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I loose you from that fear. That's been God. That's been gripping your mind. That's been attempting to shatter your heart. That's had a stronghold on your spirit. Be loosed right now. Be loosed right now. Lift your voice and shout, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to go. Fear has to. Don't stop. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is the atmosphere that loses prophets and apostles because the love of God starts getting on you. This is the atmosphere that loses missionaries and evangelists because the love of God starts getting. This is the atmosphere that changes that timid youth pastor's wife into a mighty intercessor.
you to hear me you foul spirit of depression that could not destroy the man of God but you're trying to destroy the you foul spirit of insecurity it's getting ready to break right now if your pastor's wife's not here I just want you can, can somebody just stand it I don't care just I just think about them but lift your hands if you can't get a hold of a minister's wife we're getting ready to break where's sister Jensen in the is sister Jensen in the room is she here right now where's she at is she here right now is she in the room if she can hear me she can hear me but if she can't she can't somebody tell her this 2023 there's going to be a door of intercessory prayer that you're getting to walk through sister jensen there's going to be a door of intercessory prayer that you're getting to walk through this year sister Jen if you're standing next to that minister's wife i want you to lay your hands on them and begin to pray young people i need you to lift your hands and help us pray right now i need you to lift your hands and let yeah lift your hands and lift your voice and start praying if your pastor's wife's not in the room i want you to pray for them if they're not in the room i want you to pray for them get an image in your mind and lift your lift your voice call their name out right now that foul spirit of insecurity and depression that spirit that makes them feel like they're not i feel the holy ghost that makes them feel like they're not good enough or that they should take their lives we break you this morning we break you this morning we break you this I feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost. I need some young ladies praying for Sister Brown. She's not in the building, but I just need you to lift your voice and begin to pray for her. come on I see some of you lay that night on that left side of your bed that demon just starts talking in your ear while your husband's sleeping tears are just rolling down your eyes because you feel like a failure and insignificant that voice is gonna break tonight that foul spirit's gonna go tonight we command it to leave tonight Oh, 
Every young lady under the sound of my voice, lift your hands. Every young lady under the sound of my voice, lift your hands and lift them high. Lift your hands and lift them high. Where's my wife? Fair, make your way up here. Fair, come up here quick. Every young lady under the sound of my voice, lift your hands and lift it high. This thing that's been crawling in our movement, that's been trying to let what's in the outside encroach on the inside and destroy the identities of our young ladies where you're dying in silent and in secret that breaks today that breaks today that breaks today every young lady under the sound of my voice I want you to lift your hands and begin to pray there's a vengeance getting ready to hit you with the same ferociousness that that spirit's been trying to break you intercessory prayer is about to be that much more aggressive lift your voice lift your voice young lady with boldness lift your voice now young man I want you to join them and begin to pray for them every young man under the sound of my voice lift your voice Liberty right now in the name of Jesus. Lift your voice. Somebody's about to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Lift your voice. That agree, that attack on your holiness, on your holiness. It's the last thing I'll do, and I'm setting this mic down, but grab the hand of the person that's next to you. Grab the hand of the person that's next to you. After love comes boldness. After love comes boldness. The boldness of the Holy Ghost is in the room. The boat, whatever you need, God's about to give it to you. What if you need deliverance, God's about to give it to you. If you need provision, God's about to give it to you. Grab somebody's hand. I don't want you looking at me. Close your eyes, lift your voice, and loose your tongue right now. Loose your tongue right now. Loose your tongue right Every stronghold will be broken. We will see the heavens open. Fear is overcome by perfect love. Perfect love. Every mountain will be leveled. Every desert will be Fear is overcome by perfect love, perfect love. Every stronghold will be broken. We will see the heavens open. Fear is overcome by perfect love, perfect love. Every mountain will be led. Every desert will be flooded. Fear is over. We will see the heaven. Fear is overcome 
just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands because I'm going to bring someone up here to pray. Particularly, I want every lady in the room, no matter your age, to lift your hands in a second. I'm going to bring Sister Gaddy up here and she's going to pray. And I genuinely believe what's happened is much deeper and more than emotion. But something supernatural has changed in you. There's some things that have fallen down and now there's finally some freedom. And Sister Gaddy is going to pray. And I want every hand lifted, particularly the young ladies. Particularly every lady in your minister's wife. But every hand also in agreement for what the Spirit wants to do. Can you do that right now? Would you lift your hands as she begins to pray? In the name of Jesus. Lord, by your power and your authority, God, that has been released here today, Jesus. God, I'm first of all praying for every young lady, every woman that is here. God, to take her rightful place in you, Jesus to walk in the boldness that has been preached today. God, that that fear our feet, even this afternoon, even this afternoon, even this afternoon, you are going to confirm that word that has been spoken today, Jesus. God, we will walk in that boldness. I pray every attendee here today, God, to walk in your spirit, Jesus' name, to walk, Lord, with a newfound purpose. I praise you, God. I believe in, Lord, that even this afternoon, I keep feeling that, God, this afternoon you are going to confirm things through conversations in restaurants, in hotel rooms, Lord. That word will be confirmed today that it is not emotion, but the things that you have spoken will be confirmed through your word, through your power in Jesus' name, covering upon every person here today, God. Your will and your purposes be done. And God, we thank you for that. We give you praise. Can we praise the Lord one more time? Can we give him thanks? Can we give him praise here today, Jesus? We thank you, Lord. We thank you for boldness that is being released right now. We thank you for the fear that has been bound. take such great confidence in what's transpired over the last few moments confidence what God is building in you and what God is doing in this convention so special and I don't want to miss it I'm so thankful thank you for your response today thank you for coming forward and believing God and receiving the word we're only halfway through God is doing something great we're going to go ahead and dismiss you. we got a great service that's going to happen tonight. Real McCoy's Your Lunch is going to take place today. Come stand up here if you're going to participate. God bless you. Buy your late night passes in store. Continue to pray. Don't disturb somebody if they're praying. But please slip out. Head with your group. God bless you.
We'll see you back tonight in Jesus' name.